Pac-12 today. You're listening to Pac-12 today on Sirius XM Pac-12 Radio 373. Here's Sean O'Connell and Jeff Schwartz. Sean O'Connell, Jeff Schwartz, Hope Rubino, publisher of DevilsDigest.com, at DevilsDigest.com. How are you, Hode? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Anything going on in Tempe? Any news uh, that uh, you find interesting or relevant? I know. It was a little, little, little cold front today. It was only 60 degrees <laughs> for the high, but uh, otherwise, no, not much. Um, all right, Antonio Pierce. Uh, defensive coordinator, and, and maybe more relevant, like sort of the right-hand man, like the, the next Herm Edwards. He, he seemed to be kind of the, the, the person that was most molded or most attached to Herm Edwards when it came to, like, legacy standpoint and all that stuff. He's out. Um, yeah. So what's the implication for Herm? I, I could ask that with the separation of all these coaches, but now that it's Antonio Pierce, his guy, what's the implication for Herm? Well, look, I mean, I think it's uh, anybody's guess whether Herm Edwards is going to survive the 2022 season or will there going to be some kind of action by ASU, whether they're compelled by notice of allegations by the NCAA or just uh, trying to do one more, one more self-imposed uh, sanction, if, if you will, on, on themselves, whether um, Herm Edwards could be out before the 2022 season. I think what's important to remember here is that ASU has shown a lot of goodwill towards the NCAA, and trust me, there are a lot of ASU fans here that are not happy at all with that. But the fact that ASU, all the way back in the summer of of 2021, did have three of their assistant coaches put on admin leave, and later on they parted ways uh, with them. Two of those assistant coaches were actually put on admin leave just days into fall camp. So basically those moves back in the summer – uh, did uh, have quite the damage on ASU and with them only having an 8-5 and five campaign. And here we are just last week uh, talking about offensive coordinator Zach Hill, who had to resign because of the NCAA investigation into this recruiting violation allegations. So uh, you're really kind of waiting, okay, when's, when's the next shoe to drop uh, over here? And does it affect Herm Edwards? And does it affect him prior to the 2022 season or not? Antonio Pierce technically resigned. He did not uh, resign or part ways with ASU, just like the other four assistant coaches, because of what the NCAA found. Now, don't get me wrong. There definitely are some findings that do tie Antonio Pierce to those allegations, just that the paper trail concerning Pierce and Pierce alone is not as strong as it was with the other four assistants that really had to leave ASU. But uh, implications of Herm Edwards, I think the implications uh, for Herm Edwards really go back all the way to the summer of 2021 when he had those three assistant coaches put on admin leave. And uh, what happened uh, in the last uh, few days over here with Zach Hill and Antonio Pierce uh, only just, I would say, fueled that speculation that Herm Edwards uh, is not going to be long here at ASU. The question is, again, does he get to coach a 2022 season or does he and ASU have to part ways even before then? So we hear this term institutional control, right? It's something that NCAA has mm-hmm. said all the time when it comes to penalizing coaches. You should know better, right? And, or, or you're in charge of your program, you know, even if an assistant does something that you don't know has happened. You know, with, with all these coaches being fired and, and, and resigning, I have to believe that Herm Edwards knew something that was happening, right? I mean, how does he escape any sort of punishment so far or having to resign from his position? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it all has to do, again, with, with the strength of the paper trail, if you will. The the, uh, the paper trail that leads to Herm Edwards and Antonio Pierce is there, but it's not there to the degree that ASU has to take action right here, right now. And that is, that's what's different between those two individuals and the four assistant coaches that already parted ways with ASU. That's really the whole difference. But uh, absolutely, I would say since the news about the NCAA, NCAA investigation came out, uh, really, it really was uh, last last May, but it came to light in the middle of June. It was a given that Herm Edwards and, and Antonio Pierce were, are, are not going to really uh, skate free out of, out of all this, and that the notice allegations, once it gets publicized by the NCAA, was absolutely going to implicate those two individuals and probably even some more individuals that are working at ASU as we speak. So, um, yeah, ab- absolutely, the, the buck stops for the head coach, and I think Herm Edwards, when the time comes, is going to take responsibility publicly for what have happened. I don't think that Herm Edwards knew 100% of these allegations that the NCAA is, is investigating, but to say that he's that he known more than 50%, maybe even around 75%, 80%, I don't think would be an outlandish statement to make. Hold Rubino's our guest talking about all things going on in Tempe, Arizona, with uh, another coach being separated from the staff, Antonio Pierce, the erstwhile defensive coordinator in this case. Um, this was a, a national signing day, and I, I saw some stuff coming out that, you know, this is the worst class that Arizona State's ever put together, or at least in recent memory, and it's totally understandable why. You don't know who you're committing to play for. I don't know mm-hmm. how many of those guys were out on the road recruiting when uh, yeah. they were trying to cover their own bases. So how do you overcome this if you don't make a big change? Well, I think uh, ASU, to their credit, have done a pretty decent job with, with, the, with the transfer portal. And obviously, those players uh, that come to ASU through that avenue, if you will, are not counted in the recruiting rankings. So, yes, I would agree that by and large, when it comes to high school prospects, junior college transfers, uh, I can see why ASU is ranked a, a, as low as they are. There aren't really too many names in that group itself that move the needle. Now, I, again, I do think that they made uh, some really nice additions uh, through, you know, through the transfer portal. And as you mentioned, uh, wh- what, else, what else could ASU do right now in, in their current situation? I mean, this investigation uh, absolutely wrecked their 2022 class. I think it's going to have the same damage on the upcoming 2023 class. So ASU did uh, the, the, best, the best they could. Uh, also keep in mind that uh, the ASU coaches uh, were not um, on the road as much as they were as they were in the month of January as, as, the, uh, as the NCAA regulations would permit them. Antonio Pierce, and this has been known for months now, uh, was not doing any recruiting off campus, uh, pretty much removed uh, any uh, semblance uh, of him being a member of the ASU staff from, from his various uh, social media platforms. So it was just like a really bizarre, but also in some ways devastating landscape for the for, for ASU's recruiting class. So I mean, sure you can have the headline worst recruiting class ever, but like I said a second ago, would you expect anything different? I mean, to say that, to say that the that the odds and the cards were stacked against ASU uh, to land even an average decent recruiting class have been absolutely enormous, and uh, here we are with a recruiting class that's, that's uh, like you said historically bad and. Uh, you wonder if uh, the 2023 class is not going to be similar in nature. Um, last question from me. You mentioned transfer portal. You know, do we have to look at recruiting rankings differently now because of of the transfer portal? Right, there's teams that have smaller number 
of recruits, but you know USC adds a bunch of four and five star players in the transfer portal. You know they're they're ranking in the twenty four seven. They're ninth in the conference, but you, know, you add in Caleb Williams, you add in uh, other Williams at wide receiver, and it's a much better class. Are we gonna have to start looking at the totality of the transfer portal? You know to to evaluate a, a class in a given year. In my in my it's a very valid conversation to have, and I'm not saying just because ASU's recruiting classes skewed so heavily to the transfer portal rather than quality high school and, and junior college prospects. So yes, I think there's, I think it's definitely some uh, some merit to that. The only problem is that uh, when you do evaluate a high school prospect, you're evaluating them ba- based on their senior year of high school, and probably going back to their junior year as well. Uh, junior college players, obviously, whether they're playing one or two years at that level, you're judging them by that. The question is, like, when how do you judge, uh, you know, a, a transfer? Because some of these transfers, you know, may have been heralded recruits out of high school or junior college and may not be all that great of a player once once it has reached the Division One level. So, I mean, how can, they, can that hurt your recruiting rankings? Probably can, even though you're a player that played one or two or maybe even three years at the Division One level and in a lot of ways are more proven than a high school junior college prospect. So that might be the caveat that I would say the uh, recruiting analyst purist, if you will, would, would have as far as integrating the transfer portal players to the, to the recruiting rankings. But I, I think there's definitely a conversation to be had. I mean, once you basically granted immediate eligibility for, the, for transfer portal players, it was only a given – that many programs like ASU, and you mentioned like USC, were going to rely heavily on the transfer portal when they compose their, their recruiting class. So uh, that's a conversation that I think is only going to amplify uh, more and more in the future. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe starting in the 2024-2025 class, uh, really recruiting analysts uh, have their hand ties and are really um, you know, compelled, if not forced, just to start incorporating uh, the transfer portal into the general recruiting rankings. Hode, thanks for all your work on this stuff already. And uh, (laughs) good luck as the story I'm sure is far from over. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you very much, guys. Hode Rubino, Devil's Digest. Go give him a follow on Twitter as well.